Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo, even if you count the new guys. My name is Riley Holbert, joined, as always, by my good, good friend, Mr. J.W. Crewall. J.W., how's it going today? Hey, it's going okay. Actually, I finished up a big project at work. It was like a personal project, so I'm like feeling pretty good about that. The nice thing is I could take like the next day or two to write the documentation. Like the (laughs) whole project is done, right? But I just now I get to kind of you know, chill out and write all the details of, of how I did it. And there so you that's kind of fun. And then I had a little tummy ache today. Ooh. So that's why it's just an okay day. Yeah, that is unfortunate. I hate yeah, having it, a little tummy ache. Yeah, it really hurts. And, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's been an unpleasant experience. So maybe take a Tums. You take a Tums yet? I'm not a Tums guy. So that it's not like, guy. it's not like, do you take Tums for when your tummy hurts, or is that more for, like, heartburn, or what? I don't really know. I had a phase where I would just kind of <laughs> have them. I would just eat them. <laughs> just like candy. They're good, man. It's just like the gummy vitamins. They are, but... Um, just pop a few extra. The problem with eating too many Tums is they're very high in calcium. So... And calcium leads to kidney stones. <laughs> so I didn't really want to have to to propulse a kidney stone as a consequence for eating my tums so i kind of i kind of chilled on the tums i have always thought about getting a kidney stone as being like one of the worst experiences (laughs) possible i would agree yeah it's definitely it's something i've been like irrationally afraid of happening to me for my entire Mm -hmm. life you know yeah like ever since you first hear about them as like a child you know watching some family sitcom where someone gets a kidney stone you're just scarred for life Oh, for sure. Well, I just imagine what it does. Yeah. You know? Can't be the good. Aftermath. Can't be good. Can't be good. But how are you, Riley? Well, I didn't get a kidney stone. So that's a, bu- that's a okay. bonus, I would say. Nice. Nice. Um, I've been good. I've been good. It's been a very tough week uh, at work. And I've kind of been <laughs> kind of making it worse, exacerbating the problem by getting very little sleep over the last few days um, in the interest of playing Pokemon cards. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, my bad there <laughs> yeah but, you know overall i think uh spirits are high uh feeling good feeling good don't have a tummy ache so that's a plus for me as well <laughs> kind of winning all around there but it feels good to be back in the saddle doesn't it like this is meaningful testing for a meaningful tournament yeah it does feel good to be back in the saddle and um you know the the folks i was testing it with we were kind of musing like because we had basically a year where I had left Ohio, but tournaments were still happening. Because I moved right. to Wisconsin in January of 2019, and we basically had through February of 2020 when tournaments were still happening. Uh, and we never really did as intense like online testing through that entire time frame. And we're just looking back and like, yeah, that was stupid. <laughs> that was yeah. Just, that was straight up dumb. It was uh, so stupid. I guess it would have been like... The last big hardcore testing session that I did would have been for Worlds, I think. Yeah, for Worlds, possibly even for Virginia Regionals, I guess. Yeah, I wasn't right? really. But that was part that, that was one. in person. I did that in person. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like the only yeah. time we've done it online was for Worlds, uh, and we did test pretty extensively online for Worlds, but that was like the only time, and it it just feels embarrassing in hindsight. Uh, but so it goes. <laughs> well, now there's a system set up. I know. 
The council has been the council has summoned. been established. We got our our Jedi Council armchairs, our holograms are plugged in, ready to go. That's right. <laughs> That's a real operation. I know. I know. I always thought it was really cool that the Jedi Council like projected their hologram into a chair. <laughs> you know? yeah that's so epic for sure they definitely didn't need the chair they definitely either didn't need the chair or didn't need the hologram to go into the chair at least like maybe the chair is for when they're there in person but it's just so extra to have the hologram there so true um but yeah so that's been fun and uh i've been kind of i've been kind of loving it i've been kind of loving just playing cards playing poke who would have thought <laughs> and speaking of poke there is plenty both in the rearview mirror and on the horizon for us here. So in the interest of getting to it all, let's dive right in. So today we'll be largely focused on the Brilliant Stars Regional Championship metagame. Last weekend, we had the Brisbane metagame. Uh, that regional wrapped up down in Australia. Got some great insight into kind of what the Brilliant Stars meta is looking like and and defining what that is moving forward. And this weekend, we have the first North American regional since the start of the pandemic in Salt Lake City, Utah. And folks are excited. I mean, if you didn't get the vibe, that is why I've been testing so much. I am personally not going to Salt Lake City, but many of our friends are. Uh, so we've been grinding our gears, trying to figure out you know, what the best decks are, what the text for those decks, how to play the matchups optimally. Uh, so we're really excited to talk to you today about kind of what's come out of Brisbane and what that means for Salt Lake moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah, there were some really interesting developments in Brisbane uh, with the kind of new Mew variants. Obviously, we got Arceus and the various partners that could go with it. So um, while there's not a very diverse meta to talk about, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, development between now and the Salt Lake City Regional Championships. Yeah, I would 100% agree. So let's just dive right in then by kind of recapping the events over in Brisbane. We're not going to spend too much time talking about all the nitty gritty, um, but we do want to kind of digest what the outcome was here. So winning the Brisbane Regional is Natalie Miller. Awesome player. She won with a Mew Genesect deck very powerful list as well opting to not play any basic energy going exclusively for the fusion strike and double turbo energy i like that build a lot and we'll definitely be talking about it more but just it makes your deck snappier it makes it quicker uh more reliable on the whole as well the double turbo does so much for the deck natalie realized that and took that to full effect i actually saw some interesting stats today too um where in one of the larger online tournaments prior to Brisbane, it was like 90% of the Mews were playing basic energy. And then afterwards, it was something like 25% of Mews play basic energy now. So immediate snappy impact of Brisbane <laughs> right there. <laughs> um, that list was also piloted by a variety of other players. Uh, Kaiwen in fourth place and Brent Tonneson in 11th place all piling the Mew VMAX with no basic energy list. Uh, and, you know, huge congrats to Natalie as well. Very accomplished player, Players' Cup champion, uh, taking it home in Brisbane. Yeah, it was really quite uh, the performance. Obviously, we didn't get to see any of it, but 
uh, just hearing, you know, the round updates from various players or how things progress throughout the day. It seemed like a very dominant performance by Mew in general. And obviously Natalie uh, coming away with a win. Congratulations to her. And, you know, the the really interesting thing um, about the, specifically the special energy list winning is the finals matchup <laughs> was against an Arceus Duraludon deck. Duraludon obviously having the ability to block damage from special energy, but Mew has this wonderful little attack called Max Miracle, which goes straight through that Duraludon. So you're you're not taking those gigantic one-hit KOs like you might uh, against other decks where you can leverage your, you know, your Genesect attacks, where you can leverage the Melodious Echo on the Meloetta, but mm-hmm. you still got that Max Miracle to reliably two-hit KO your folks. Yeah, absolutely. And the cool thing uh, there, too, is you have uh, you're not just relying on the power tablets, right, obviously, to boost the damage. So you can max miracle for and and get the two hit KO with only two damage modifiers, one being the choice man getting that down on the first time you max miracle and then a power tablet the second time. And you're doing, you know, 300 and what? 350 damage, right? Which would be enough to knock out yeah. the 330 HP Duraludon. So uh, very cool. Just kind of interesting to see that play out. You were talking to me before the cast. You're like, I was on that, you know, just before, the night before Brisbane. <laughs> yeah, well, our first, like, big session of testing was the Friday. Uh, I was off work, so uh, a little more apt to just immediately jump in and play some Pokemon. And... I immediately flip over all of our view lists to be like no basic energy and like this is the wave <laughs> we have to play no basic energy i didn't have quite the quite the magnificence or elegance of natalie's list i don't think um namely the inclusion of the rotom phone wasn't something i was as woke to at the time but um yeah i think the double turbo energy is so so good and one of those niche things for the double turbo energy that's really important for the mu deck in my opinion is retreating your your fat genesex from the active yeah <laughs> low-key the double turbo retreating those genesex is a really valuable part of that card oh for sure yeah you just think about all the times you know a jolteon bosses up your your Genesect and you just have no way to switch it in hand and you have to, you know, just attach one of your energy and, and hope you can get a second one on, on the next turn. I mean, that double turbo is just so funny how it has that utility <laughs> yeah. of also being able to retreat. Super, super good. Um, is there a way Riley um, to, you know, kind of talking ahead, but just before I forget this thread and while we're talking about the special energy only Mulus, is there a way for decks moving forward to capitalize on Mew only playing special energy? Or is it the kind of thing that it doesn't really matter that um, there's only yeah fusion and double turbo? It's a fair question. I think decks that can play their own double turbos or twins can leverage the Eveltal from Celebrations, the one that discards three special energy from play. But that isn't always like, you know, it's not like your anti-Mew button as is. Um, the Eveltal, in my opinion, is like a panic button for when the fusion strike energies are getting overwhelming. For example, if you would just get otherwise checkmated if Mew got the four fusion strikes on board, you can use the Eveltal to panic button and remove two or three of them from play uh, without needing to take a knockout. Um, however, 
you know, if you're just losing to Technoblast over and over or Max Miracle, I don't think the Veltal really has that same effect because the double turbo energies only need to hit the board when they're being used. So <laughs> you can't just like proactively remove them all. Um, certainly you could play like multiple Veltal, but at that point you're kind of cheesing up your deck. Uh, so I think the Veltal is good. It's good in Arceus variants who kind of can struggle if Mew manages to build up a vast array of the Fusion Strike energies. But otherwise, I think you're better off just like if you're a Jolteon deck or something, you know, the mm-hmm. one-off fan can help, but it's not going to it's not going to make or break them getting those energies on the board at the end of the day either. Um, yeah, so it's like pretty much strictly just an upgrade. Yeah, right? There's like really so. no downside. I would say so, so. yeah. So, you know, kind of saying this, if you're thinking about playing Mew at Salt Lake City and you're listening to the cast right now, Riley, it sounds like from you, I would also agree, been grinding a lot of Mew this last week. I just don't think that there's any reason to kind of go back to the old way. You know, I, the old me is dead. <laughs> and now I, it's 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 new me or new Mew. I would agree. Work. I would agree. Special Energy is definitely the wave. Some... Other decks as well that I want to give attention to from Brisbane is Arceus was really the other dominant force. Arceus and Mew together made the totality of the top eight in Brisbane, which is pretty insane. Uh, I don't think we've ever seen anything quite like that, even in the Zorark and Buzzwole days. Um, There was usually like one other rogue fellow that would sneak in there at any given tournament. At least to my memory, there may have been tournaments where it was only Zorark and Buzzwole. Um, Arceus does have variants within it, of course. Uh, we saw like Suicune Arceus and Teleon Arceus, and uh, like Arceus with, with a dark attacker. But mm-hmm. overall, I think uh, you know Arceus and Mew are definitely poising themselves as kind of being the champions of this metagame. And Brisbane was was truly kind of the epitome of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it was really interesting to see just how good Arceus could be. I mean, going toe to toe in terms of the dominance that Mew has, but I think just from the list that players are playing, Mew in this tournament had the slight edge, just being a little bit more uh, consistent, explosive, more higher end potential. Um, and and so for you know again the list that these players played in this tournament, Mew had the edge. Now is that going to be the same going forward? <laughs> I don't know. We'll talk about that in the second half of the cast. But uh, certainly Arceus proved that it can hold its own and that there's a lot of innovation that can happen in terms of the list. So Mew, we're kind of saying it here, should be pretty standardized. I mean, there's maybe, you know, between one and five cards that you could probably change off of Natalie's list to get pretty much the wide swath of what you'll see in Salt Lake City. Yeah. Um, but for Arceus, it's far different. You could play it with Duraludon. You could play it with Moltres. You could play it as kind of a counterbox deck. You could play it with Sinchino and Teleon. Um, none of those, you know, you could play it with Beedrill. There's just so many different things and so many different ways to play Arceus that there's no one conclusive best Arceus build at the moment. Yeah, it definitely, there's a lot of flowing ideas right now and a constantly evolving space for what Arceus decks are looking like. Uh, right now I'd say Inteleon is probably the premier engine for Arceus, but even then, you're seeing variants in like the attackers uh, or in the supporter lineups and, and all these different things. It's it's a wild west out here with these Arceus decks. <laughs> yeah, sure is. 
So, I mean, Brisbane really set the stage. We have our Mew and our Arceus as our premier kind of attackers in the metagame. Um, are there any other big developments or you know notable decks from, from Brisbane in particular that you want to call out, JW? Well, I think, I mean, we, we really only have you know, most of our information coming from the top 16, but one of the decks that we are kind of talking about heading into the event and just in this metagame in general is one of my favorites in Gengar. And so it was good to see that there were a couple of Gengar lists that did crack the top 16. Gengar is the kind of deck that um, does seem to be kind of able to counter both Mew and Arceus has a very, very strong Mew matchup. In fact, I would put that as, as a very favorable matchup for Gengar and then has the opportunity to one hit KO, even with a, uh, even with a, uh, a big charm, the Arceus. And that is really problematic because most Arceus decks are hoping that they can at least get a one or two Charon's cares off here over the course of a game. So Gengar is that deck that you look to as being able to potentially counter both archetypes. Absolutely. Uh, Gengar having that, that huge damage output as well, just is, is kind of threatening to anything that's put in front of it, uh, particularly if it offers up multiple prizes. <laughs> so Gengar is definitely one of the premier decks that we'll be talking in, in the second half as well. So, Brisbane, huge congrats to Natalie again. Huge congrats to all the players in the top 16. Uh, and thank you, in a way, for for setting the stage for what's to come for the future of the Brilliant Stars metagame. You know, you're kind of the groundbreakers here. So that's really, it's a stressful and exciting time to play in a regional championship, I think. Do you feel a little let down, though? Because, you know, again, they may have, I, I don't know, you know, perfected the Mew deck, but like we... We, it, it does definitely feel like with this iteration that we've kind of reached like final <laughs> kind of final form is approaching at least yeah you know it just feels like as optimized as possible again there's a few cards you could change and like okay maybe you play more stadiums if there's more path decks in the metagame or something like that but it feels kind of optimized do you do you i, I always get that kind of uh, not not frustration but it's like dang it if it had only been a week later and, and i was playing in the tournament like i would yeah, totally come I mean, up with that if and, salt lake and, and and brisbane were reversed like certainly our testing group would have shown up with the special energy mew and been very happy with what happened most likely um yeah. but who's to say i mean maybe maybe there were more north american players that were on special energy mew and it turned out like path was really the the variant that was going around like path decks um the metagame seems to fluctuate so rapidly right now especially with online tournaments uh because when last time we had real life play you know there wasn't really this online space in this at least not in like nearly the same way um you know online tournaments weren't really happening there wasn't the limitless you know platform for online tournaments so Mm. it didn't exist in really the same way um and because of like the constant influx of like information and lists and events it feels like metagames just are so snappy now. Like there's constantly things that are changing. Metagames get solved very quickly compared to what they used to. It feels like, or at least if not solved, like the decks advance very rapidly. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think maybe what you're saying is like a list comes out and then all of a sudden all the players that are planning on playing that deck, that archetype kind of gravitate towards that list that did well. 
Whereas maybe in the past, it would have been a lot slower of a change to kind of see those players shift yeah, in the direction would, of the wing I would kind of Yeah, I would say something along those lines, yeah, where you have, you know, a, a convergence towards the decks that are doing well over these repeated events. Uh, and then convergence happens much quicker because there's constantly events being reported out on. Mm-hmm. That's a broader philosophical discussion. Yeah, the effect of online tournaments on the metagame. <laughs> Let's take a quick break and thank our sponsor before we jump into Salt Lake City. And JW, here at Tag Team, we are sponsored by the ever lovely Manscaped. And for those of you who failed to get the ultra premium collection from the Celebrations expansion, have I got news for you because ultra premium collections are in stock at Manscaped. That's right. Believe it or not, for your not so private parts, Manscaped has leveled up your hygiene routine with a freshly fresh manly scent pack, a skin and hair kit that will literally cover you from head to toe. This thing is awesome, full of great products, and Manscaped will treat you right. JW and I are huge fans of their products. Use my Manscaped products every single day, from the ear and nose hair trimmer to the lawnmower 4.0 to trim my private parts, and I love it. It's awesome, it's comfortable, and their underwear is the best in town. Uh, And you can actually get 20% off and free shipping, JW. Do you know how you can do that? You can go to manscaped.com. Enter in the code tag team, and that'll get you the great discount. 20% off plus free shipping. Again, Riley uses the products. I use the products. We love the products. I got a little Manscaped lip balm here that I use like every day because it's, you know, we're kind of ending the winter time and it's super dry over my area. So I'm always applying that, you know, always wearing the shirt, always wearing the underwear. Like it's just, they're good products. Always using the, the shampoo in the shower, it's, it's really good stuff. If you haven't checked it out, I would at least encourage you to head on over to the website. Check it out for yourself. See if it seems like something you'd be interested in. I have a feeling you might be. Check it out. Manscaped.com. Code tag team for 20% off plus free shipping. Thank you so much to Manscaped for sponsoring and presenting the Tag Team Podcast. So I got a card of the day, Riley. Lay it on me, brother. Okay. This is actually a card. And I'll let you guess it. This is a card that has changed names. Or, excuse me, has maintained the same name, but has changed text. Okay. An errata. That should be a pretty big hint. Quick ball. Yeah, right. You can already name. Okay. (laughs) Here's the original. Flip a coin. If heads. Okay. Do you know it yet? Flip a coin. Pokemon catcher. Nope. Put a evolution card from your discard pile. Oh. Into your hand. Wait. An evolution card specifically? Yeah. And there's there's more. Okay. If tails. Put a basic Pokemon card from your discard pile. If any, into your hand. <laughs> what is this? Um, is this like Super Rod? Is that what? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's Super Rod. <laughs> yeah. Very good from one of the Neo sets. 
super odd of course having the newer text of shuffling up to three of any not up to pokemon or oh yes you're right you have to shuffle if you have it three pokemon or three energy or some combination of both but the original super odd (laughs) one just a weird card it's like it never was played because it's just so yeah it's such a bizarre effect (laughs) yeah heads you put an evolution card tails you put a basic so i guess you get a pokemon either way but you kind of just don't get like no agency over (laughs) yeah So That's, anyway, I felt like that that kind of fit in with our manscaped. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> Why is that? Could you explain? Oh, because you know, make your rod super. Gotcha. <laughs> with manscaped. That you play that super rod in your GLC deck, don't you? The the new one. <laughs> I and I never got called out for it. I needed to have a reference, and I didn't. <laughs> never punished. Never punished, yeah, for sure. Probably could have gotten a penalty or something, but... Revoke your championship retroactively. Yeah, I, I put an asterisk. <laughs> That's definitely an asterisk championship. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I don't think you can actually use that and, like, expand it, though, can you? No, I'm pretty sure you can't, but it's just because of the way the GLC is structured, being able to play all the old cards. A little cards more flexible. Things like that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's super odd. is super funny. I love the... Uh, there, honestly, back in the day, there were some really janky cars like that, you know, where they just had the most bizarre, like, what were they thinking with this type of fact? Yeah, you know? what use case did that have? Well, but then at the same time, right, you think about the era, and they were printing cards that, you know, for two energy did 20 damage, you know, or like four energy did 60 damage. Yeah, you know that I mean? was like sick, yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's a different, different bygone era. Now you can do... If you're doing two energy, you better be doing 150 at least. (laughs) (laughs) Power creep. Who knew? Who knew? And, you know, if we're talking about two energy and swinging for high damage, I think it's perfect theme for the Brilliant Stars metagame is using two attachments for high damage. So let's talk about them. So JW and I have compiled our... Top five by popularity decks, in our opinion, uh, what will be the Salt Lake City metagame. So <laughs> we're going to go through those decks from bottom to top and talk through, you know, not only the deck themselves, why we think it's going to be good or popular. We'll also talk about, you know, what would we specifically do if we were bringing one of these decks that would make it more successful. So that might mean like how you play it in a game. It might be how you build it if it has variants uh, or even just like individual tech cards that we would include. Yeah. It's kind of a cool meta. I think like it, I mean, Mew is like the most broken card, you know, (laughs) most broken deck ever printed in totality. Um, And Arceus is just extremely strong, but it's kind of cool in the sense that there are a few different decks that can all compete, but it's a largely centralized meta game. I would say, I would say you got, you got Mew and you got Arceus and then you got like, you know, three or four other decks that you could maybe think about, you know, getting <laughs> top four and like potentially winning. But like you got Mew and Arceus. Those are the decks that are just going to probably win the event. Right. It, you just put your money on them. Those For are the sure. betting, the betting, uh, you know, if you're a betting guy, then you would, you would put your money on those decks. But then you kind of have this like sub meta 
within the Arceus deck, right? Because you can play it just anyway, and there's not really a consistent <laughs> yeah. way uh, devised to play it. So that's kind of the the thing that I think players will really develop. And, and the person that comes up with the best Arceus list, I think, has a really good shot in Salt Lake City. That just seems like the X factor to me, right? We kind of know what to expect with Mew, kind of know what to expect with you know another top deck Jolteon. We know what to expect with another top deck Gengar. But we don't quite know where the Arceus deck will go. I would I would agree. The direction seems up in the air right now. It hasn't quite yeah. been defined yet. So our top five will go. I'll, I'll just rattle them off, I think. Yeah, go for Mew, it. Mew at number one. Arceus variants, but probably leaning more towards Inteleon at number two. Gengar at number three. I think probably fourth most popular will be Jolteon. And then we were up in the air a little bit about number five, but something, something, Rapid Strike Malamar, most likely. <laughs> something, something, Rapid Strike Malamar. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Rapid Strike Malamar then as our number five by popularity deck heading into Salt Lake City. Now, I think we both agree this is a deck that we would not play ourselves going into Salt Lake City. Uh, for myself, there are two reasons why I believe that to be the case. Uh, first, the deck is kind of a pile. Uh, it's a little inconsistent. It, You know, you get these weird, bricky starts. And then perhaps an even bigger factor for me is, especially when combined with the fact it's kind of a pile, the deck tends to be kind of slow in its games. There's a lot of game <laughs> actions you have to take for a turn with Malamar, especially if you're playing the Inteleon variant. Uh, a lot of deck searches, a lot of shuffling. There's a lot going on. Um, and it's really easy with a Malamar deck, especially with these one-prize decks where you feel like you have a chance until like the game is basically over. Right. Uh, so you'll tend to like play yourself into situations where like you might you'll probably lose the game, but if you hit like this gigantic one hit knockout and draw everything perfectly, then you're back in it and you're probably gonna win. And it's super easy to get bait into that with Malamar. Um, so I think the deck will have a big tie problem at best of three fifty mm-hmm. minutes, mm-hmm. Uh, and you have to be really polished with a deck to like actually succeed with it in that time frame. Yeah, I think that's a good point, and I feel like the players that would generally tend to gravitate towards a deck like rapid strike malamar are not the players that are the most technically proficient i don't mean that in like you know only (laughs) only only you know noobs are gonna play rapid strike malamar that's not what i'm trying to say but just um i i feel like it's it's more of a deck that a, a newer player would gravitate towards as opposed to maybe a more experienced player. I think the generally speaking, the more experienced players are going to go with the higher HP basics that, um, you know, aren't going to lose to like donks or are less likely to lose to just awkward hands. Cause they want to just have games that they can try to figure out strategies to win. And Malmar is very much kind of a one trick pony. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're just smacking into the active <laughs> as hard as you can. Every single turn, there's no real nuance. Um, I mean, there there is. There is with every deck, but you see what I'm saying. is just um, there's not a lot of cute plays that you can make with the Malamar deck. I would agree with that. So, JW, what is the certified tag team tip, the TTT, for the Rapid Strike Malamar deck? 
I think the only thing that I could really say in terms of what you can do with the Malamar deck would just be trying to give the definitive kind of way to play it. So there's Sinchino and there's Inteleon. We were talking before the cast. I think Tag Team would put their stamp of approval on the Inteleon variant of Rapid Strike Malamar. If we're talking about cute plays that you can make with Malamar, Inteleon gives you a little bit more of that, being able to snipe um, and being able to pick up, you know, Pokemon with the uh, with the scoop up nets and get you know maybe four extra Pokemon or five or six just scooping up all your Inteleons at once and and having this massive hand. So I kind of like that yeah. as being something that maybe separates different Malamar players being able to build up that damage with Inteleon. And I think one other like unsung hero of the Inteleon variant, or maybe technically two is it sets up its board more reliably in the early game. And what I mean by that is I actually like the Chinchino variant a lot, and I preferred it up until relatively recently. But what the Inteleon variant has is it has Keep Calling, which is obviously good. You have the the Call for Family on the Minchino, which is roughly comparable, though. But it, you also play the four Brawly. So you have all of your Sobbles and your four Brawly, which are all outs to basically set up your entire board. Uh, and that's something the Chinchino variant, I think, can sometimes lack. And also the Chinchino variant can end up, if you have bad starts with the Chinchino variant, it kind of snowballs because you end up make-doing all your good cards. <laughs> right. I've had game. I've played a lot of Malamar in, like, the, the eight-pod TCGO tournaments to, like, get packs <laughs> because sure. it was just, like, it was cheap to get and it, uh, it, it kind of went, it was fun to play. Uh, and I... I had this one particular heartbreaker game where I really should have won. But when I got to the last turn of the game and drew my whole deck, like there weren't rapid strike cards left because I had to trade them all to set up. That felt really bad. So sad. It was very sad. So tag team tip is to play the Inteleon variant of rapid strike Malamar. Very cool. Let's move on to deck number four. That is Jolteon. That feels a little bit like a sleeper choice, but it did win a very large tournament last weekend in the online sphere. So talk to us a little bit about Jolteon and why you would consider playing it for Salt Lake City. Yeah, up until yesterday, actually, Jolteon was maybe the number one deck on my radar heading into Salt Lake City that I would play. Um, and the reason that is, is Jolteon is very low maintenance. Uh, you really just need the one energy in the tool and you're able to swing, uh, which means that you're not as reliant on that turn one energy drop, which is something that really, I don't know if it like inhibits the Arceus decks, but it feels really bad in the Arceus decks that you need to get that turn one energy drop to feel like you're in the game to the same degree as your opponent. Uh, Jolteon doesn't need that, right? It can... Attach, tool, swing, even if you whiff the energy turn one, as long as you get your basic down. The other big boon in the Jolteon deck is it picks off your opponent's engines, be it with the Path of the Peak to shut off your Genesex and your Starburst, or just the Max Thunder Rumble to tear apart your opponent's boards. And it's pretty rare, I would say, for non-single prize decks to be playing the Mana Fee, even though, in actuality, like, the Manaphy would probably be a big boon in that Jolteon matchup. Uh, reducing their damage by half is pretty big deal. <laughs> right. Yeah, the deck doesn't really do <clears throat> all that much to start with. I mean, 100 and 100 snipe on its face 
um, is decent, but it's going to take you a number of turns to go through, you know, a VMAX Pokemon, for instance. So yeah. cutting that in half, like you said, is just terrible. Absolutely horrific for the deck. Yeah. So Jolteon is just super low maintenance. It has the Cheryl, so it kind of plays a similar game <laughs> to like Arceus with the Charon's Care. It leverages the Inteleon engine incredibly well because because of its low maintenance. And, you know, it's just a, a generally powerful like good abuser of path type deck mm-hmm. the the problem with Jolteon, in my opinion that i think holds it back is first i mean it has the one card tech which really hurts it um i don't think manaphy will be very popular but uh the other thing that hurts it is Jolteon tends to struggle if your opponent gets really aggressively set up on you, particularly from some of the decks above Jolteon in this popularity tier list. If Gengar and Mew manage to get like a really strong board really early, you know, I'm thinking like a choice belt Mew with multiple fusion strike energies on the board. Jolteon really can't respond to that at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's not a lot of uh outside of like boss Genesec shenan- shenanigans uh, you can't do a lot in those situations, and that feels really bad to have kind of like your agency removed from you in those cases. Right. Uh, but Jolteon, I think, actually has a really good Arceus matchup, surprisingly, uh, unless they play like a fighting tech to deal with you because they might like incidentally be playing one for the Arceus mirror. Sure. So a good Arceus matchup, but one of the great misconceptions, I think, about Jolteon is that it has a favorable Mew matchup. Yeah, I think... I think it might have back in the day <laughs> prior mm-hmm. to double turbo, but double turbo was a game changer for Mew because now you can retreat those Genesects with an additional three outs. Uh, and the Mews now are playing Oracoria, which reduces your damage by 40 because it affects both the active and the bench Pokemon. Um, and they, uh, you know, because they have those choice belts, the Mew can reach that 300 multiple times in a game if it wants to, even without the four fusion strike energy in play. So yeah, it's, it's tough out there. I, I don't think the matchup is outright horrible, but I think any favor that Jolteon had has certainly dissipated and it's 50, 50 at best for Jolteon in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think it's worse. <laughs> right. Right. So my tag team tip for Jolteon uh, I thought a lot about Jolteon. Initially, when we were super hot on Jolteon, we were actually thinking of playing a Manaphy. Manaphy is ridiculously good in the Jolteon mirror. Uh, so if you think that's going to be a factor, uh, my general rule of thumb is a tech is worth it once you play a deck twice in Swiss. So if you think you'll hit two Jolteons in Swiss, then maybe play Manaphy. I doubt you will, to be honest. But another mm-hmm. tech that we thought was good for the mirror and potentially good for Mew as well was Tool Scrapper. Uh, you know, you get get rid of the big charms, get rid of the uh, choice belts on the Muse, get rid of the elemental badges in the mirrors. Just a way to kind of like disrupt your opponent's strategy. It's very low maintenance tech as well. Like it incidentally is useful in a lot of matchups, even if it's not like a phenomenal card. So that would be my tag team tip is keep the deck straightforward. Maybe play Tool Scrapper. That's a good one. Moving on to number three, Gengar and the single strike box archetype Gengar is my personal favorite deck I mean I played it for the team challenge this most recent team challenge and uh, 
sweeped easily all of my opponents. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Can't get through a cast without JW talking about how he's a winner. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I only say that with so much vim and vigor because it was actually quite close in all of my games. <laughs> right, I and remember. I played I played, yeah, like two mirror matches, which just suck. But I still really enjoy Gengar. I feel like, like we talked about earlier in the cast, Gengar has a lot of benefits. Well, probably the main one being that it has that extremely solid Mew matchup. I would put it somewhere between 60 and 40 and 70, 30. Like there are times where you just bust right through Mew and they can't do anything to stop it. Um, You know, obviously Mew being the deck that it is can take games off of the Gengar deck, but for the most part has that favorable matchup. And then, also can hold its own in the Inteleon matchup, being able to one-hit KO Arceus, and that is the biggest kind of thing that the Arceus player does not want because you're relying on getting at least one, maybe two Charon's care off in a game. You need those Arceus to stay alive. So that is, you know, with the Gengar deck can accelerate a bunch of energy, get to that 310 number with the Gengar B uh, VMAX and uh, really go to town on those two decks. Now, where it kind of falls off is, you know, maybe if you're playing against something like Rapid Strike Malamar, or maybe if you're playing against something like Jolteon, like it just does not do well with the you know, outside of the top two decks. I actually think right? Gengar is okay versus Jolteon, but that's a different thing. <laughs> well, okay. Well, I don't mean to say like, but it's not overly favorable, right? Like it, like it is versus Mew. Yeah, but you can be sneaky. Like, you can just bench nothing and attach the single strike energy. <laughs> <laughs> and then just one shot to Jolteon. <laughs> uh, but does it ever play out like that? No, it doesn't play out. But, like, even if you bench stuff and it gets sniped, like, all you yeah. need is one Gengar. You win that game. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So, <laughs> even even so, I just feel but like I, I get Gengar, what you mean. Like, yeah. like, it's good against Mew like very good against Mew. It's like 50-50 to maybe a little bit above against Arceus. And then like everything else just is kind of sucky. Yeah. I think for multi-prize decks, Gengar is maybe one of your scariest opponents that you can be against unless you're playing like Rap Strike or Shifu or something, in which case mm-hmm. you're you're loving that. Um, my opinion as well, in addition to having horrible one-prize matchups is Gengar also just has that like inherent unreliability that comes with the single strike engine. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you feel quite the same as a stand. Well, it's definitely outside of maybe the Mew deck. Like it's one of those decks that just either pops off real hard or is such a let letdown. I would agree. Yeah. Gengar, we were also on Gengar for a day because we had a whole day where it just popped off like crazy. Yeah. And we thought it was like, oh, this is like super reliable. This deck rocks. And then we had a whole day the following day where <laughs> it didn't work at all. So we put Gengar back on the shelf. But uh, I think it's a really solid pick, nevertheless, for the event. Well, and it's certainly one of those decks that can spike a player to a high finish. Yeah. You know, it's like if enough players play it, which they will, um, you know, surely someone will spike the tournament with it. And, you know, if you hit enough Mew, honestly, if you hit enough Mew, you're probably going to have a fantastic day. Yeah. You know, if you're hitting four five mew in day one and it's a nine round tournament so you know you presumably in best two out of three you know win two of those games in every match so you're already at like five and oh and then you just need to scramble together another win 
and uh, maybe ID a couple times, right? You make it on to day two, and then anything can happen from there. Like, it's definitely the kind of deck where I think uh, players can get a big spike and get a really nice finish. I would agree with that as well. So, JW, what's your tag team tip for Gengar? My tag team tip for Gengar is don't play auxiliary attackers. So I had for a while in my Gengar deck a Rapid Strike Urshifu thinking like, well, yeah, it's just really good to hit for fighting weakness. You know, Jolteon is in the format. Um, You know, you can hit, you know, in the new format, you can hit the Arceus for weakness. But you kind of don't want to do that because Gengar is just strong enough by itself. It's a better three energy attacker. Yeah, (laughs) It's a better three energy attacker. You'd rather (laughs) devote the energy to a Pokemon that has more health because you want to get as most uh, as much you know usability out of the single strike energy right you think about 220 and i guess if you're attaching through houndoom you know much less like 180 like that's very easy for anything to knock out on the rapid strike urshifu so you just want to get the most mileage as you can out of those single strike energy and so attaching them to a higher hp pokemon is just going to be better for you stick with just the gengar don't be playing stone journer don't be playing rapid strike urshifu well, definitely don't be playing Rapid Strikers. Yeah, no, not Rapid. Oh, for sure. Cut the Rapid Strikers right now from your single strike deck. Definitely <laughs> get a, that out. What a tip. Yeah, what a tip. Yeah, my tip for single strike Gengar is don't play Rapid Strike Urshifu. Uh, but don't play single strike Urshifu in the list either. I just don't think it needs it. And yeah. you're kind of like anytime I attach three energy to that Pokemon, I maybe get one knockout and it gets knocked out in return and then i just feel like i've wasted all that time because i have to go dig for things to put energy back in the deck and i just should have left it on gengar as it was b barrel or no b barrel in brilliant stars gengar i do like the bibberol yeah i do like the bibberol because that is one of the things that you struggle with with gengar is just in that mid to late game it's finding those last few pieces totally i feel like the earth you know, the early game, like you can you can piece together a few things. And like we've talked about Gengar as being just this low maintenance attacker. But then you get into that mid game and you're searching for supporters. You're getting to that late game and you're searching for boss or the urns. And that could just get really difficult. So I would say Bibberol is an include for me in any Gengar deck. I love it. So then number two on our popularity ranking here is Arceus. Specifically, we call out Arceus and Teleon. We believe that this is going to be the most prevalent Arceus variant. Now, certainly, if if Arceus variants look different in the top eight or win uh, the, the regional championship in Salt Lake, that will likely influence the future of Arceus. But in this snapshot in time, the most popular prevailing variant is by far the Inteleon version. And Intellion offers, you know, a wide array of variants kind of within there. You can play different techs and things like that. But the engine itself, Intellion seems to be the winner. And the reason that is, is because it just gives you so much control over what you have at any point in the game. You play a lot of Pokemon Search. So you can either use your Drizzles or just draw your Pokemon Search over the course of the game. You can, once you get the two energy on your Arceus, the Double Turbo and the Basic... You can accelerate your energy out of your deck, and then you can get your supporters pretty much whenever you want with the Drizzile and Inteleon. So you basically have access to all three of your types of cards just by getting Arceus and Inteleon on your board. So 
very consistent, gets your your key cards the moments that you need them as well, which is a difference of Inteleon versus some of the more draw-oriented support Pokemon. I think your Chinchinos and your Bibarels, where they don't necessarily guarantee that you'll draw your Charon's Care with the turn you need it or your boss's orders. A Drizzile specifically gets your boss's orders, and it may not draw you the extra card, but you got your boss's orders, so... I don't draw the prize card instead. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's there my go. take. So Arceus Inteleon, super strong. Personally, Arceus Inteleon is what I would put as the deck that I would play at this moment in time. Um, very slightly edging out Mew is the deck that I would play at this moment in time. I just think it's super good, super consistent. Um, and I would build it for max consistency as well. Like play a couple extra supporters, play a couple extra energy, just make the deck work as consistently as possible and outmaneuver your opponents by getting access to what you need the turns yeah. you need it yeah that's my big tag team tip for the deck is don't skimp out on supporters um as much as you can you know even though you're playing a deck that can fish out any two cards from the deck at any time or um you know search for supporters through the Italian online i do still feel like playing you know one count of of research is probably not yeah. the best way to go with things so try as much as you can if you are looking to play Inteleon uh, Arceus coming up for Salt Lake City try as much as you can to look for ways to you know not not overfill the deck with those supporters but at least have enough that you know you're you're not going to get stuck on turn one or in the late game when you're trying to dig for things you're going to have what you need the other thing I would say when you brought it up is being you know being being smart on how many energy you play i've seen a lot of lists that play six feels a little low to me because a lot of times what you're going to be doing is accelerating from the deck with your arceus onto another arceus and if you don't have energy to accelerate then you leave yourself very vulnerable on the following turn if your opponent can knock out what you have or you know disrupt the hand and take a knockout on your active like that just spells a loss and yeah. so I want to expand just, that as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry to interrupt, but the, the flip side of that, that I would also say, I definitely agree, like play seven or more energy. I even think eight is like acceptable to just to guarantee that turn one drop as often as possible. Um, the other component is be mindful of what you're accelerating out of the deck and when you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is sometimes it's appropriate to just accelerate two energy out of the deck when you Trinity Nova or Trinity Charge. Sometimes it's even just one. Uh, and the reason that is, is if you're trying to Charon's Care Loop especially, then you need to be able to continually use your one attachment per turn to power up your next Arceus. And so if you get too many energy out of your deck too quickly, then you won't be able to Charon's Care and accelerate to your next Arceus. So you have an Arceus with three energy and an Arceus with zero energy. And that's a really bad situation to be in because, like JW was saying, if they take that knockout or if you're forced to Charon's the next turn, then you don't have an attack on board. Mm-hmm. So be really mindful of how many energy you have in deck. I've even straight up thought about putting a Ranguru in the deck just so I can put the energy back in. <laughs> and just guarantee it. Yeah, exactly. And you get the one extra card. That's kind of cool, too. <laughs> so. That would be a cute little tech for sure. That is- I was saying... I was talking, we were like, well, what if instead of a Rangaroo, because that's kind of a sucky attack or a sucky starter, right? Yeah. You could just play a switching cup. 
yeah, Searching Cups a, a little meme-y, <laughs> but it, a similar <laughs> purpose. Uh, I don't know if I would play either personally, but it's something I've mused on just because of how important it is to make sure that you have resources in the deck. For sure, for sure. So a wide variety, uh, a wide variety, I should say, of Arceus lists. You're kind of thinking about Arceus and Telion uh, as maybe being your, you know, potential choice. Um, do you think that'll be the most popular? And what are some other variants that people should really be prepared for? Yeah, I think that will be the most popular. Um, and really, I think all the variants will kind of be focused in Intellion. The other main variants that I've been seeing, people have been trying like other draw support Pokemon, but I think Intellion has kind of superseded those. Uh, so really, the other variants that I would expect is, you know, Duraludon seems to still be a force, the Arceus Duraludon, much less quantity than it used to be at the start of the format but still very much a force the arceus box type decks are out there where you play like a lot of v pokemon like your luminions and your crobats stuff like that and you you have like your galarian moltres and your galarian zapdos and those are your attackers i don't like that variant at all i think it's too vulnerable to path to the peak and the attackers don't really do enough Kind of my general philosophy, I share it with with Andrew as well in our testing, is Arceus is 9 times out of 10 the best attacker that you could be using. It has the most HP. It does respectable damage. Um, so it's not getting like constantly knocked out, um, especially in like the Mew matchup. Like I don't really think you need dark attackers, at least. If you want mm-hmm. to attack a fighting attacker, I'm for that. But you can do that in the Italian version without playing like a path weak uh box version basically sure and then the last variant that i've seen is kind of like quad arceus where you save out on the support pokemon and just put like arceus and dunsparce and eveltal and fill your deck with other stuff (laughs) either supporters or hammers or what have you uh we actually tested that one a fair amount and it was pretty good i just like the intellion a little bit better cool let's get into our number one deck, of course, that is Mew VMAX. Now, talked a lot earlier in the cast about the way you should play Mew VMAX, and I think that will be the dominant way that we see it in Salt Lake City. Get those City. basic energy out of there. Get them out. <laughs> Don't need them. Don't want them. <laughs> and so with this new Mew deck, um, there are still some things that I think players need to be aware of if they're deciding to play Mew for the first time, you know, I know yeah. there are a lot of players going to their first regionals and they're hearing us say, you know, Mew is the best deck and they're hearing other content creators say Mew is the best deck. There are still a few things that they need to be aware of with the Mew, some cute plays, um, you know, maybe some some board states they need to be aware of. So, Riley, talk us through. You had some uh, interesting things to say about the Fusion Strike energy before the cast. So walk us through some of the cute plays that Mew can do. Um, and, and some of the things you should be thinking about as you're playing the deck for tournaments. Yeah, I think uh, I think one part of the Mew discourse that I haven't seen maybe get as much credit as I think it deserves is the late game Meloetta. Meloetta, I feel like gets a lot of flack for its melodious echo on the first turn going second, where you can potentially get 210 if you get three Fusion Strike energy in play uh, with the Elisa Sparkle and one from hand from the attachment. I've actually found that play 
just like relatively unreliable to even hit in the first place. But outside of that, it's not always the optimal route to go for. You know, I think of like the Jolteon matchup, for example. If there are multi- multiple Jolteon Vs in play, it might not be the best idea to go for that play because then they have the opportunity to just come up and knock your your Meloetta and all of a sudden you've lost two Fusion Strike energy, which are a resource in of themselves. Um, same thing if like you're knocking out a Sobble or, or something that isn't your opponent's V Pokemon that has an attachment on it, particularly in the Arceus matchup. All you're doing is kind of serving up your Meloetta on a platter and saying, knock this out, please. <laughs> so I think players should also be mindful of what are the routes that I should be going for that set up a four Fusion Strike board. Like I've noticed a lot in, in our Mew testing is if you are able to, and some matchups don't even offer the early game pressure to do this. Like particularly I think of like Jolteon does not pressure your board <laughs> enough to accomplish this. If you release those two turns in a row, you have four energy on board and a choice belt. You literally will win that game every time. Unless something catastrophic happens, you will win that game. Because you're doing 310 damage to your opponent's active V Pokemon. Not a big charm. Arceus instantly gets KO'd by that without even a power. Uh, so I think that's a super relevant factor. Also, another Fusion Strike tip. Remember the Fusion Strike energy has text on it. <laughs> right. I I know it's insane to think about, but it's a rainbow energy with a bonus positive effect. <laughs> you know, that that still blows my mind every time I think about it. What in the world happened <laughs> They did there? not need to make it that good. What in the world? And it's like a really good, po- you know, you have the right. rapid strike one. It's like you can't be paralyzed or confused right. or something. And this one is you're not affected by abilities. Some useful tips for that in the Jolteon matchup. You can put it on your Oricorio so they can no longer Zigzagoon ping or Inteleon ping your Oricorio and you get that reduced damage to stay on the board for longer. Uh, in Weezing matchups, you can put it on your Genesect to be able to Genesect under the neutralizing gas. Uh, and then generally, like, it's an Inteleon ping counter. So if you have, like, 180 damage Genesect on the bench that got swung into by an Arceus in the early game, you can Fusion Strike Energy that, and now they can't ping it to clean up those two prizes. Fusion Strike Energies are super valuable. They're a resource. Don't always pigeonhole yourself into making a bad play or burning your resources just to get the turn one knockout if you don't actually route your game from there. you know, I think that's maybe the ultimate tip is route your game out. <laughs> Go for the knockout when it means that it gives you the path to win the game. Not when it means that you're just taking a knockout and making your opponent feel bad. Well, that's a pretty good tag team tip. That's a tag team tip right there. So go back and re-listen to that if any of that went over your head. But that's really important to remember that, yeah, the Fusion Strike energy has a lot of utility. And just don't <laughs> don't gloss over that. And don't. Um, I think with the Mew deck, it's so easy to grind games online, too, that it, it, it's it's, you know, we often just play it and just you know there, and there's a lot of room to misplay with the deck there is right? there really like, is the power level is so high that you might still have a really good win percentage with the deck but be misplaying a lot like not making the exact optimal play every time so just keep these things in mind and um you know al- there's always something to be working on no matter what deck you play with yeah. Mew, with Mew, do you think you would play echoing horn i would play echoing horn uh i think it's a really just solid card and there's cool things you can do with it, like 
if your opponent's trying to just like set up one Pokemon that you can't KO, one gigantic Pokemon, you counter that strategy because you can Echoing Horn something that you can KO. That was not, and you did KO <laughs> probably earlier in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, the Echoing Horn is also just it opens up more routes to win, more clever ways to to outplay your opponent. I don't think it's a required card in the list, although I do think it makes the list better. Okay. So yeah, uh, I'm just I'm thinking about you know maybe there's a reduction in Duraludon based decks. Yeah, I mean, it's it's strongest um, versus Duraludon, I would say, um, but I think it's also good versus Arceus, uh, particularly mm-hmm. like if you knock out their only Arceus with an energy with Meloetta turn one, for example. But they managed to kind of like claw their way back, and now they're doing like path shenanigans. Uh, the Echoing Horn to get an Arceus back on their bench—that's just an easy knockout means that you only really have to push for one big charm as opposed to two. And two is basically, like, it's not impossible, but it's really, really hard to knock out two big charm Arceus. One, though, that's that's doable, for sure. You can do it. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So I like the Echoing Horn. Um, I also like including both Cramorant and Cramomatic and Rotom Phone just to maximize your consistency. I think Mew... <laughs> I... I was the guy playing Mew a lot in the testing, and, and, you know, it always feels bad to be the guy playing the deck that you're trying to beat, (laughs) you know? Yes. You're, like, the villain in the testing. Yes. Uh, So I played against a lot of decks that play Path. And then yesterday we started testing a deck that didn't play Path. It played, like, Training Courts, an Arceus variant. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) I feel unstoppable right now. So what I'm getting at with that rant is... Mew feels absurd when it doesn't have path in play. So you need to have outs to get the path out of play. And the two best outs to do that are your Cramomatics and your Rotom Phones. And playing, ideally, a third stadium, I think, as well. Right. Um, I don't think four is necessary, but you do feel the difference. At least I feel the difference. Three versus two. Three versus two, yeah. So I would recommend that. Um and I guess my last tag team tip is, and certainly I can, if you have more new topics, I would happy to give more. But the last tag team tip that comes immediately to mind is don't burn your resources past what you need to with Mew. Like don't burn your power tablets in matchups where you need to keep them. Don't cram a just because you have it and a battle pass in your hand and you want to draw more cards. Like think about what your next turn is going to look like and right. preserve the resources that make that turn the best one possible. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good, really good tip. So for those players going to Salt Lake City, this is my last question, Riley. Give me a meta breakdown of what you would expect in terms of the percentage of players playing Mew, the percentage of players playing some type of Arceus deck, and then kind of on down through the decks that we talked about, and then also maybe some of the other options for players. Yeah, I think... uh... I don't think the online scene will translate one-to-one with real life, but I do think Mew will be far and away the most popular deck. Um, you know, even when we think of, like, the full grip 2K, Mew was something like 40 of the decks, I think it was, were, pl- were Mew. Out of 150. Yeah, it's so like a quarter of the field. I think that sounds about right, is like a quarter of the field will probably be playing Mew. Mm-hmm. Um, and then probably another, like, 15 to 20 maybe but probably closer to 15 percent of the field will probably be playing arceus and then the the other 60 percent will kind of be everything else i think 
Gengar, Jolteon, and Rapid Strike will be the next three, is my guess. But really, you're looking at, like, almost half the field will be playing... I mean, if you Mew, add, well, if you add up, like, all five of those decks, like, I think that's probably going to be, like, 60 to 70% of the field. Right. Uh, but if you look at just Mew and Arceus, that's, like, 40%, I would say. Right. Yeah, that's probably about where I'd put it. So, again, in a nine-round tournament, expect to play against Mew at least twice. That would be just my general assumption. Yes. Uh, expect to play against Arceus one to two times, and then kind of a smorgasbord, you know, sometimes you'll get a buy. That would be kind of cool. Sometimes <laughs> you'll get, you know, opponent doesn't show up or something. Sometimes you'll get a, um, you know, just a random round one or two deck where, you know, you just are not expecting that. And, you know, there's no reason for you to expect that deck. Uh, sometimes you'll get, you know, maybe a newer player first tournament and they have very limited card pool, um, you know, and so you'll play against like a, like a, or they watch Top Deck Academy and you'll play against an Italian <laughs> VMAX deck, you know? So, what are you um, saying? <laughs> so, that's, you know, that's a little bit of what you can expect. That's kind of how I'm thinking of the meta when I'm just imagining what it would be. I do think to what you, uh, what you're talking about here, Riley. I do think if you're going to have a deep run, the later you go in the tournament, you'll get a higher concentration of Mew and Arceus in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see them more and more often. So if you're starting off like six and zero, my guess is like the tables around you are probably like Mew, Arceus, and then the one Gengar that's having the day the day of their life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, Arceus is definitely a deck that has a uh, probably the highest skill cap. Yeah. Um, of the decks, so yeah, it would stand to reason that the later you get in, the higher the concentration of Arceus would be. I would I would be a little hesitant to say it's as low as fifteen percent for the Arceus decks. I would actually has you know I, I would um, you know harbor a guess is uh, Arceus being just slightly less popular than Mew. I mean, he, my um, actual but, take is more like forty to forty five percent will be Mew and Arceus. You know. Mm-hmm. Like, half the field will be playing <laughs> one of them. Yeah, yeah. So, in any case, I'm so excited. I'm so happy that there's going to be a stream. I know. Dedicated and stream, too, in addition to the yes, main stream. Yes, very excited for that. And we've got a lot of great uh, faces on the commentary team. And I'll be uh, sure to be tweeting about it all this weekend because I cannot be there. But, Riley, you will be going. So, I wish you I'm not all going. the best I'm not blood. going either. I'm not going either. I, I said that. <laughs> I said that I'm not going. I, you okay, look betrayed. I thought, <laughs> I, I thought you changed your mind. I was close. There was, the flight yeah. I was monitoring did go from eleven hundred dollars to one thousand and eight dollars. So that <laughs> that was almost a game changer. <laughs> no, I came really close actually to booking a flight today. Um, but really, I've just been I've been diving in just to help out the okay. the variety okay. of friends that we have that are going. Uh, so if you're fans of the cast. Make sure to say hi to Andrew Mahone, Kevin Baxter, uh, Michael Zeely, who will all be out there, who've been working with us to craft perfection heading into this tournament. And one final tag team tip is to to make sure to take a shower. And also leave us a rate and review on all your favorite podcasting platforms. This has been a great episode, Riley. I look forward to seeing what happens in Salt Lake City. So excited. It should be a great tournament and really just be, I I hope that there's some innovation. Hard to say if there, you know, if there will be anything crazy 
to come out anything meta changing, but I do think that we're going to see a lot more development in terms of Arceus lists. I think that's probably where most of the development will be. So we'll be excited to watch that on the stream with you over the weekend, Riley. Yes. That's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter. My handle at real John Walter Riley's handle at smiles with Riles and the podcast at tag team Pokemon. We love y'all for supporting the cast and good luck if you're playing in Salt Lake City. We'll catch you next time. Peace. See ya.